Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. I'm Amy Rojek, Director of BDO Center for Governance, and I'm so happy to have the chance to sit down with Sarah Feingold to discuss corporate governance considerations in the startup world and what has driven her passion for helping connect diverse individuals to the boardroom. So Sarah is the co-founder of The Fourth Floor, a next-level community democratizing women's, or women X's, I should say, access to board seats and investments to drive systemic change. The Fourth Floor believes that smaller companies deserve and benefit from a board and that diverse expertise makes a qualified board member. So previously, Sarah was the general counsel and the first lawyer at Etsy and Room. And she is a creator and producer of Legal Madness, a play about startups, laws, and secrets. She's also an NYU Law School and Engelberg Center Fellow, a board member, an investor, and a speaker. And you can also find Sarah hammering silver, eating candy, and chasing her child. So Sarah, welcome to BDO in the boardroom. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. Now, I'm really, I'm really excited to speak to you today. But before we dive into the world of startups, maybe you can share a little more about your own career path as you've been involved in a number of companies with very interesting paths. Yeah, great. So um, as you mentioned, I have a, a unique uh, career right now, but I started off as an artist and my artistic drive led me to some curiosities about legal aspects of art. And so that sent me to law school. So I went to law school with this vision that I was going to help artists and entrepreneurs. But after law school, I could not land a job. And eventually I got a job at a law firm. And then I was selling my jewelry, which is my, my artistic passion, on a company's website called Etsy. And I loved Etsy. I thought it was phenomenal. And one thing led to another. And I realized they didn't have an in-house attorney. So I flew myself to New York City, my little resume in hand, and I told them to hire me as their first lawyer. And they said, okay. And so I ended up as Etsy's first lawyer and 17th employee. I was there for over nine years. I helped take the company public. I've seen a lot of things. And um, now I'm writing a play about that. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, yeah. Now that's really exciting. And Etsy is one of the, you know, the, the forefront on the whole ESG spectrum. So Looking forward to to reading more about what Etsy is doing in the years to come. So, all right. So, so let's maybe talk about the fourth floor and the inspiration behind that, because I find that really intriguing and a really fantastic idea that you have. Thank you so much. So our founder, uh, Breen Sullivan, is another career in-house attorney like I am. And I kept running into her at these general counsel events. And we were talking about how hard it is for women, women lawyers, uh, diverse candidates to land board seats and, and how many people at a point in their careers are, are really wanting to um, be on the board. And then we were also talking about how startups have a really hard time scaling. And so what the fourth floor is, is a tech-enabled membership community to get women on the boards of cap, uh, on the boards and on cap tables of women-led startups. So the idea is 
we convince these early stage startups that they should have a board sooner rather than later. And then professionals who have made it to a certain level in their career would make excellent board members of these startups. It's really win-win. Um, there could be some sort of equity exchange. There's expertise. You're leveraging networks. And um, it's really a rising tide raises all ship. Now, that's fantastic. So, so maybe we should look at some of the governance aspects of that and maybe speak more about the who should have a board and what the right time is for a business to establish a more formal go governance structure. Right. So um, with the fourth floor, we think it's never too early to start thinking about this. If you really believe that your company is going to be a rocket ship, you might as well have that rocket fuel all ready to go. Um, that's going to help you point your rocket, get to your mission. Um, when it when issues are happening, you're going to have this amazing board that's ready to really help you out. So we think that um, we've actually talked with some amazing startups that have built out their advisory boards or their board of directors before writing even one line of code. It's really getting those superstars in your background ready to help you scale as soon as humanly possible. And we also believe that diverse, a diverse board is a powerful board. So looking at what your company is needing right now and maybe in a year and five years and seeing where those skills gaps are and thinking about what strategic guidance you could use and pinpointing those experts to help you get to the next level. Yeah, so let's, let's speak a little bit more about that. So, so what type of expertise? I know your background is legal. And obviously that's a you know a big plus for a lot of companies, especially in the startup world that have to navigate all of the different you know legalities of becoming a company, you know corporate governance materials, bylaws, all of that good stuff. So let me hear a little bit more about some of the critical skill sets that a startup may need within their you know board or advisory board. Really, really good question. And I think it all depends on the startup. But the way I think about it is, um, and I've talked to a bunch of startup founders um, to get this sort of information, but startups probably need people who have a network, can help them scale. Um, they have the specific subject matter expertise and maybe have some fundraising expertise, can really help them understand like what is the next stage um, in their goals. And so, but, but thinking about the subject matter expertise, I, I use myself as an example. I have a lot of subject matter expertise in e-commerce, right? And thinking about that, another e-commerce company might be like, oh, this is great. Like she can really help us with the strategic guidance. But even in um, the pandemic, we've been seeing that there is some subject matter expertise that is just so important to have. Um, you know, governments just thinking about regulations or thinking about certain industries, um, HR, tech, um, even maybe knowing more about your customer, having a variety of, of voices on your board that come from all different areas and diversity, I think that's really the most important thing. Um, it's not just about having ex-venture capitalists or ex-CEOs um, on your board anymore. I don't think that that's enough. Having diversity in thought and background is really important. Yeah, one of the things you mentioned earlier in terms of the scalability. So for, you know, just we'll pick up on the e-commerce as many companies in the pandemic had to shift business models to go from, you know, traditional selling routines to really opening up their world on on e-commerce and on the internet, the, you know, IoT internet of things. So how how is that? I mean, so a lot of that would rest on really understanding some of the data privacy elements 
some of the, you know, obviously there's different laws in every state. There's different laws globally from a data, data privacy protection, et cetera. So maybe a little thought, maybe put your, your legal expertise to task here and give us a little bit of a sense of how that translates into the boardroom. What should the board be thinking about as you try to scale your business? Right. And so I think having someone on your board who has that um, strategic business and legally minded background is really important. They don't necessarily need to have the subject matter expertise in every single like 50 states laws and privacy. That would be for um, outside counsel or fi for finding somebody who has that, that niche area. But being able to rise above the noise and understand the landscape and to be able to direct the company in when there's levels of uncertainty, the world is completely uncertain. Um, but having somebody on your board to really direct that and to utilize their network and maybe find the subject matter expertise, that is so valuable. Otherwise, I've seen, and just thinking about lawyers, um, I think sometimes boards are undervaluing us because they think that we're, I don't know, risk givers or bottlenecking. We're going to say no to everything. We can just, you know, just pay a lawyer. We're expensive. But when you find the right lawyer who has a network and can pinpoint, you should talk to this person, this person's going to help you grow the company, as opposed to I've talked with startups who just relies on, no offense, but like the most expensive lawyers that they can find to their detriment, right? So it's really navigating all of the complexities. No, I think that's a great point. And let, let's expand on that a little bit more because I think it's it's important to understand because I do a lot of work with corporate boards and established public company boards. So it's an interesting lens when you start thinking about the needs of a startup company and how they differ. So let's talk about a little bit about the value that can be derived from spending your time on a startup board. Right, good question. So I think when people think about being on boards, uh, they think they're going to get some check and they'll be able to live on that check, which sounds pretty awesome to me. I would that's, that's not so bad. But when you're joining a startup board, um, there's other value that you can get. You might be getting some equity, which could be sort of what I say, like lottery and other people have said are lottery tickets. You don't know. You don't know if it's going to 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 really land. But on the other side, you can also get value by um just using your expertise and your network and really helping a company grow. Um, and that can you can leverage that into a board seat at another company. Um, it's just really exciting to be able to take something that you've built up your knowledge and be able to help someone else with it. And um, I think that we need to really be looking at our careers more holistically and understand that it's not a straight line and you can do all sorts of things with your career and, and grow in all sorts of ways. And it's not necessarily only about the money. If you make a decision based solely on money, your reputation might suffer. So really thinking about giving value to this company. And if you believe in the founder, its mission, its vision, its values, and that you can really add to that. Yeah, I, I think what you say has a lot, makes a lot of sense. And especially from the experiential um, aspects that someone on a startup board is getting, you really are living through that. And from my experience that, you know, folks that help out on a startup, it's it's much more rolling up the sleeves and helping management navigate than, you know, traditional maybe oversight roles. So there's a lot of advisory work that comes into play from the subject matter expertise that a board member can bring into that. So I absolutely agree with that. So maybe let's talk about the process for landing a board seat in a startup or a smaller company. And I guess, you know, you had mentioned earlier the backgrounds that are being sought after, but what is that, what is that first step towards trying to get onto a startup or smaller company board? 
So I think the first step is to know that you want this, right? So to know that you want to be on a smaller company or a startups board, um, and then not to just sit around and wait. I think that especially women um, are just used to keeping their head down sometimes and just you know waiting for someone to tap them on the shoulder. I call it the fairy god ally dilemma, right? Like this person's going to come tap you on the shoulder and put you on the board. 92% of board seats at tech companies come through networking. So if you're going to just sit around and wait for someone to put you on the board, you're, you might be waiting for a very long time. It happens, but it doesn't happen often. So my suggestion is think about the target and think about um, pointing your arrow at the target. So what does this startup look like? Does it have a specific industry? Is it in a specific location? Does it have cer certain mission, vision, values? Get it as clear as you can in your head. And then you can start looking around for a startup that looks like that. Um, and then you can start making pitches to them or talking to people and say, hey, listen, Amy, um, I have e-commerce expertise. I would love to uh, be on the board of an up-and-coming e-commerce company that has X amount of employees. Do you know anybody to talk to about this sort of thing? You got to put it. You got to put yourself out there, and also just be okay with hearing no or I don't know, because it takes a lot of no's to get to a yes sometimes. Yeah, let's let's talk to me about you know the word no. What does that mean to you? I guess when you hear it. Yeah, so um, I I like to say I like to exercise my my no muscle and put myself out there and hear no a lot because you never know when you're going to hear yes. Um, and so the word no to me means that I tried something and now I have proof that it didn't quite work. And so I can try something else. I think worse than hearing no is hearing nothing. Like I hate when I <laughs> reach out to someone and I very carefully, you know, write to them and ask them to talk to me or, or something. And I hear nothing because I, I don't know why, why did they say nothing? But if you hear no, that's proof that you tried. If you keep getting yes, 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 yes. I, I have a kid and I don't like using this analogy because I'm not like a sports person, but if you keep hitting the same basket, maybe take a step back, right? You shouldn't be hearing yes, yes, yes all the time. Maybe you're just not aiming high enough. No, I love that. I love that analogy. And and actually that's exactly how you ended up with our program. You reached I, out and took a chance and this has been awesome. So really appreciate that. So I, I have one more question um, for you. Maybe it's it's recognizing that many organizations in the startup and early growth phases may not yet have formal boards. What are your thoughts on advisory boards and how those may differ from a board of directors, but still can provide some significant value to those just starting out on their, their board quest, if you will? Yeah. Well, when you're on a person's board, a board of directors especially, this is like a long-term relationship. You want to make sure that you have the right people there and you want to make sure you take your time um, to make sure that you know you're all aligned for for all these sort of reasons, and we all know that. But an advisory board can be less formal. Um, you're, there's no fiduciary duty, so I think for startups, uh, getting an advisory board together sooner rather than later, you absolutely should do that. I know I've mentioned this before. Like I know a lot of startups who have collected advisors, collected board of directors before even writing one line of code. So I think that starting with your advisory board and then. Um, as you grow your company and you need a board of, it, uh, of, of directors and you start getting VCs in there and the VCs, they want the seat at the table, right? They've paid money. They want to watch their money. Then maybe you're going to have this great group of advisors and you can maybe pick one of them and put them on your board of directors as an independent board member. And so you already know this person. They're a known quantity. You know, you know how they're going to behave. They, you know their expertise and you know that they're going to add value. 
So starting with a board of advisors, I think it's just really smart. Now that make that makes a ton of sense. So what else? What haven't we covered today that you might want to just leave our participants with? Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned this, but I want to just say I'm such a fan of your podcast. I've been listening to it. Like it's it's just phenomenal. And I just literally reached out to you and said, I would like to be on your podcast. And I want (laughs) I want your listeners to think about that. Right. Like get and this is this is an example of what I was talking about, like seeing your target and pointing your arrow. And I wrote a very specific email, took some time. And um, it it worked out, but this doesn't always work out. But (laughs) I just wanted to use that as an example of just like going for it because this is what these businesses are doing and they're taking chances and they're disrupting and then the world collapses on itself and they have to figure out what to do next to stay afloat. It's really, really, really hard, um, but it's exciting. And I think that people should be taking chances. No, I agree. And I think you're, you're always, at least I am, I'm always on the search to number one, expand my network of people just because I enjoy people. I enjoy their stories and you know what, down the road, hopefully we can, you know, we'll help each other out. And that's something that, you know, I I think is really good to, you know, to your point, shoot your arrow at, at the right target. I think really for all of aspiring board members and for those that are seeking additional board seats, you really have to be thoughtful in your approach. I I find too many people just trying to get on a board instead of the right board. And I think you need to really do your due diligence and think about what you want. And to your point earlier, you have to express what, what it is that you want. You have to be very confident in that yourself to start with, but then you have to articulate that to others in your network and, and do that, do that homework, do that outreach because it is work. It's, you know, it's some people luck into their board roles, but the majority have to really work hard at, at doing so. It's hard. It's hard to go deep in yourself and to try to figure out what value will I add to a board and to think about what board would want me. Um, so what we do at the fourth floor is we have what we call board boot camp, and we go over all this and we have an amazing uh, program and we brainstorming docs and templates and all of that. And then we also have what we call the room. Um, and that's where we have a collection of board bios for advisors who really want to be on boards and then board role descriptions for startups who are looking for people. So I say it's sort of like polyamorous dating. You can like swipe around and you can apply to these things because we do know that it's hard in most of these roles are landed through networking and they're under the radar. There aren't a lot of people out there that are just like applying to board roles and getting into board roles. You have recruiters or you have networking. And so we're just trying to make networking easier. Now that's excellent. So hopefully everyone got a lot of information out of this. Check out Sarah Feingold's website, which is linked on our podcast site. And I thank everybody. And I thank Sarah for your time today and look forward to the next episode of BDO in the Boardroom. Thank you. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash BDO Knows Governance.